today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive 20% off your next order. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and your home for daily Florida Gators coverage. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. You can also follow my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. This is our first episode back after the world's largest, although it wasn't quite as large as usual, outdoor cocktail party where Florida ended the three-year skid and finally defeated Georgia for the first time under head coach Dan Mullen. It is a changing of the guard in the SEC East as Florida practically has a one and a half, technically, but I guess two-game lead in the SEC East. Demetrius, they control their destiny to the SEC championship at this point, so long as they win out. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit later, but first we're going to recap the game, and then after those two segments, we'll be getting into the next week. As everyone knows, Felipe Franks will be coming back to the Swamp. So Demetrius, first, it was your first game in the box covering the Gators. I mean, what? honestly, first, tell me about your experience, but also what were some of your takeaways from Florida's win? All right, well, first of all, what's up, everybody? I hope you enjoyed the last episode of the Locked On Gators podcast. Obviously, you know, the Gators win, and it, it it's a great day for you guys. I'm sure you're all happy in and everything, everything involved about that game from start to finish. Well, maybe not from start to finish, but from pretty much start to finish, you were probably really excited. But to answer your question, Zach, uh, yeah, it was my first – uh, in-person college game that I covered. I honestly just wish people had warned me about this. And maybe this isn't a big deal to other people, but man, these these games, maybe it's CBS or something, but they go on forever. They go on for far too long. Uh, there needs to be something done with it. I just, <laughs> I'm not you trying to not complain. You are not wrong, man. I'm, I'm not trying to complain too much. But I don't realize this watching it on TV. And I've always known that college games do go a little longer. But when you're in person and they go on a TV timeout every few plays, I'm sitting there wondering, how are these guys staying warm? Because you're always just on break. Um, They have plenty of time to talk about differences in game plan. They could do a whole halftime in the amount of time that they take little breaks. But I digress. It was a great great experience for me. I've honestly really enjoyed covering the Gators in person. It was fun to see the coaches on the field with my binoculars and just kind of looking around and seeing the fans in the stands. I understand it wasn't the same as a normal Florida Georgia game. I've been to plenty of those in in my time where it was just completely packed. Obviously, every single seat was is typically sold out, including the extra seats that they bring in. Um, I thought that there were a few more Georgia fans in the stands than, Ga- than Gator fans, and I'm not sure how you guys will feel about me saying that, but I mean, it's that's kind of just what I saw and it's no discredit to Gator fans. I saw a bunch of them out there tailgating as much as they could. Obviously it wasn't actually the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, But it it was just a great experience. And uh, obviously four to one, it was an exciting game, at least in the first half. And I was just happy to be there, happy to be a part of it and happy to finally be home. (laughs) Yeah, without a doubt. I'm sure that you enjoyed it, especially being a game that you've gone to plenty of times and got to observe from the stands and then finally going to see it in the box. I got to do that for the first time last year, and it definitely was quite an experience. And just like you said, very long. 
not fun like that. Uh, but anyway, so Florida came out. Uh, they got off to a slow start uh, running. Uh, you know, Georgia came out running the ball with Zemir White on the very first play and went 73 or 75 yards for the touchdown. Um, and suddenly they got up 14-0. It took a little bit for Florida and Kyle Trask and the offense to click. And then from there, I mean, Florida took over, and you could tell by the end of the first half, and you were saying really into the third quarter a bit, but at that point you could tell it was done. Like Florida had this game, unless they just found a way to completely mess things up, like they had this one in the bag. They had already hit their season minimum of points by halftime with 38, and they had already gone for 411 total yards. They were running and passing the ball well through the most part of the first half. It just – it seemed like a really complete game that they put away. If it were a 30-minute game, like, you're talking still about utter domination at that point. And giving Georgia more time, honestly, made it less of a dominating game than it should have been. Yeah, I mean, really, you kind of nailed it. The first half was pretty dominating by the Gators' offense and then, for the most part, the defense. After those 14 points, which, you know, for me, sitting there just watching, the first the first play from scrimmage was – a 75-yard run by Zemir White, as you said. And it it seemed as though, you know, this is going to be a game where, okay, well, maybe Florida isn't ready. Maybe the defense is going to uh, regress back to what they kind of were. They were in the wrong spot in that, and particularly that run. And then, you know, Georgia comes back again, has another touchdown, and you're thinking, all right, so this is going to be that kind of game for Florida because, you know, they went three and out on their first drive and they had to punt. So you weren't quite sure exactly what sort of Florida team you were going to get until maybe in the second quarter. And then at that point, you're thinking, all right, well, here we go. This is going to be fine. And then, like you said, by halftime, 38 to 21, pretty sure everybody in the press box, everybody in the stands, or maybe everybody at home, maybe all of you guys thought, this game's over because the Gators defense, they put on a show at it. It it really didn't seem like it. If you just kind of looked at the box score at first, especially in that first half, but by the time the game was really rolling, you saw how both of the Georgia quarterbacks were playing. You kind of knew that there was no way that Georgia was going to come back and match what the Gators offense was able to do. I mean, if, if a team can't stop a wheel route, and I'm not saying wheel routes are the easiest ones to cover, but if you see it a couple of times, you can pretty much, you know, figure out a way to put a corner out there or move the linebacker a little bit more outside to but guess. But to or... let it happen eight <laughs> times for eight 217 times. yards. Right. And, and it should have tracking those numbers. And it should have been more. And it should have been a second touchdown because that one of the ones I'm including was not caught on the wheel route. It was targeting the wheel route. It would have been complete because he was hitting a wide-open Naquan Wright who right. only had one guy to beat for a 41-yard touchdown. But Kamori Gamble was dragging underneath it and made that one-handy one grab. Like, I'm right. I'm definitely counting that towards the wheel route. but As you should yeah. because, I mean, Gamble did kind of step in there. And, it, and it's not his fault. He didn't know what was going on. I mean, I'm sure he knew the play, but – he saw the ball coming his way, and your instincts as any sort of receiver, tight end, uh, running back, anything, it, you, you're going to catch the football if it's coming your way. And, that's and, he, sort of just what, and he made an awesome play to do it. And he made an amazing play. And actually, Gamble was one of the stars of the show, in my opinion. I mean, I, he only had three receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown, but that touchdown was incredibly nice. He got, got wide open. Um, he came in basically after Pitts got hurt. 
on that on that really um, dirty play by Scene or Sign or um, the safety from Georgia, in which he kind of lowered his head, he launched. He just just don't do that. I mean, it was pretty bad. much. It, it was just a bad play. I mean, I get it. You're playing football; it's hard, but you know you got to figure it out. You got to figure out a way not to do stuff like that. But once Gamble came came in, it seemed like the Gators didn't miss a beat, and you kind of saw what Tim Brewster, the Gators' tight end coach, was talking about in the offseason, how. You know, they got a guy in Gamble who they actually really, really like. And, you know, but I digress. We're talking about the the first couple of halves or the, the first couple of quarters of, of this Gators game. And I really did think that they were able to come out and, and put on a show. Like you said, Kyle Trask already had 400 yards, I believe, during that, that like, onslaught basically on offense. And really, the Gators, they did well. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it in the second half because – we're going to be looking to the, towards the future. All right, sorry, the second segment. We're going to be looking towards the future because, as we mentioned earlier, the road to the SEC East, Florida's got it right now. They're in control of their own destiny, and they can decide if they make it to the SEC championship. The question is, will they be able to hang? And based off of their defensive performance last night, they had a really nice stretch after the first couple of drives until just after the start of the second half where a lot of punts, um, and they just looked like a much better unit when it was all said and done. And Zachary Carter made an impact when he came in in the second half as well. But as the game went on, we saw really bad quarterback play from Georgia, like some of the worst quarterback play we've probably seen in the conference all year. And just pure misses, a couple of turnovers, I think three second-half interceptions thrown by Georgia, but they were really all gifted to UF defenders. Some of them harder plays to make than others, but they were all bad throws that really just went straight towards UF players for an easy turnover. So, again, it's kind of like Missouri. Like, we gave them a lot of credit for how they came out and played, given the expectations. I'm still not comfortable saying this defense is a really good defense. I am not comfortable saying that it is one that could hang with Alabama. And with that being said, after this quick break, we're going to be looking forward to the idea of playing Alabama or whoever it may be. Maybe maybe Texas A&M comes and gives us some huge surprise and Alabama cripples and falls apart in the second half of the season. But I'm just playing. Right now it's probably going to be Florida and Alabama in the SEC championship. So we're going to keep breaking down Florida's performance versus Georgia as we you know start to look ahead. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. 
So, as I as I said there at the end, we are going to be looking ahead, which I don't want to get too far ahead. We got an Arkansas game that, as you said, is a trap game. So we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. But, you know, this is major. We're post-Florida Georgia game, and Florida's in first place for the SEC East. Like That's a first for Dan Mullen there. This is exactly what we talked about all offseason. This is the year that you take charge. Now, Demetrius, as I mentioned, there was a lot of luck for Florida's defense last night, and I will give them credit for when they did put things together and play well. But did you see a unit that you think could hang with Alabama? I'll be completely honest here, and you guys would not like what I say here, but no, I did not. Absolutely not. I think that Florida got very lucky, especially in that second half when Mathis was in. Like Zach said, this was probably one of the worst performances, and I didn't even realize this as I was watching the game live and in person. This is probably one of the worst performances from quarterbacks that we've seen. Nine completions total <laughs> in this game from Georgia's quarterbacks. And and this is not a game where, you know, they threw like 10 times. No, they threw 29 times total. It was, a 50, 50, it was a 50-50 balance, right, between rushes and passing attempts? Yeah, it was exactly 50-50, actually, not yeah, I now think that so. you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was exactly 50-50. They ran 29 times, got 165 yards. And we can talk again also about how Georgia just for some reason went away from Zemir White after he got the 75-yard touchdown. Who knows what would have happened if they would have just kept giving him the ball instead of trying to get Stetson Bennett going for no reason whatsoever, it seemed. But to, to put it in perspective, at, <laughs> there was a tweet made after the Florida Georgia game when Justin Fields was playing. You know, obviously, he's a former Georgia quarterback. Um, they went with Jake Fromm instead, essentially. I know there's a lot more controversy than that, but that's basically what happened. They went with Jake Fromm, and and Justin Fields wanted to transfer, and that's what happened. So he had, at one point, through 10 quarters, nine incompletions. And then I thought about it. You know what? Georgia would play pretty bad on offense. Let me check that. And nine completions total. So just to put it in perspective, nine completions for Georgia's quarterbacks, nine incompletions for Justin Fields in 10 quarters, which for those who aren't as good at math as I am, or I'm not good at math either, but that's two and a half games. So you're just sitting there thinking, how terrible were they really? And I remember seeing at least at least two or three deep balls that probably would have went for touchdowns that math is just completely missed on. With the better quarterback, I think that, Florida might have been in trouble there because at at certain points it was only a 13-point game, and obviously it ended a little bit, I think, as a 16-point game. But, you know, for a long time it looked as though there was a chance that Georgia could come back, at least make it an even more competitive game in the third or fourth quarter, and they just never did. They just never were able to really do that. Um, So not to poo-poo on what the Gators did on defense too much, but I did feel as though this this wasn't a team that, against a better passing team with Mac Jones, who we know is a has been playing fantastic this season. Um, that's Zach's guy. If you guys didn't know, he he's he loves the kid. So Yeah, just, he and I were best buddies when we were growing up. Yep. So just just thinking about having him and then obviously they don't have Waddle anymore, but they do have Smith and then they like it it's just it just seems as though Alabama would definitely put more pressure on the Gator secondary when they didn't look as though they were perfectly sound in that area. Now, does that mean that they're going to play poorly when the game comes around? If the game comes around, no, but it is something to be concerned about. Yeah, I agree. And this goes back to what we've talked about all year, how they strive for perfection on offense. And it's really a cover up because they have a bad defense. 
And even last night, when Trask and the offense matched their like minimum for points in a game with 38 in the first half, 411 yards in the first half, and this is me also being bad with math, 341, I believe, coming through the air. And even with that, like Kyle Trask threw a pick six for the second game in a row. And he nearly threw a second pick six at the end of the game. That could have totally changed the outcome if Georgia was able to capitalize on that as well as at least, like, one deep pass. Like, the, the game could be totally different at this point. And those things are going to happen. Those weren't necessarily trash mistakes. He shouldn't have thrown, I believe it was the second one, um, the the second uh, near pick six, the one that was nearly uh, intercepted and returned. Yeah, uh, he definitely shouldn't have thrown that one. Whereas the first one was more of a mistake on Xavier Henderson's route. But those things are going to happen, even when he's playing so well. He's going to have a throw where it it was a bad throw and maybe it gets intercepted. Even the best quarterbacks have that happen out, that are out there. Or every now and then, especially if it's a freshman running the route, you are going to have someone run a lazy or not good route. It's, it's going to happen. You can't expect every single play to be perfect. They are, without a doubt, this is my forecast completely, if they are going to hang with Alabama in the SEC championship game, they're going to do two things. One, if they win the toss, they are going to have to get the ball first. If they defer, they will lose. Uh, they, they need to take the ball first, and they will have to play perfect football from start to finish on offense. Every last play will have to be efficient and not a negative outcome, because otherwise I don't. I I'm with you. I think they played great, but they also, you know, as people have said, they they played it and beat a good but beaten up UGA squad. And if that's what they end up having to prove for their 2020 season, you know, it's good. You did get over the hump versus Georgia, but in hindsight, if that's all you have to really like pat yourself on the back for, people won't be that happy about that, right? No, they they, they won't, and that's the thing. Now that they have beaten Georgia, the next expectation is to win the SEC title game, and that's just how a fan's mind work. I'm sure you guys think about this. If they go ahead and get to the SEC championship game in Atlanta on December 17th, are you guys going to be okay with them losing? Are you guys going to say, okay, at least we beat Bama this year, or are you going to be upset because they didn't win the SEC title? I think it's going to be the latter. I mean, that's just any fan's mindset, and I think that you guys all expect, and you should expect them to win. Like You should think you know this is Dan Mullen's year clearly this is it because they beat Georgia even though that Georgia was a little beaten up but they they went in and did something that they haven't done and since 2016 it was, it's a big deal and it's not like these these Georgia Bulldogs are bad necessarily they're they've been touted as one of the best recruiting teams in the country for several years in a row they have players they have great players they have a great offensive line they have def- they have defensive linemen who you know are coming in as four or five stars even though they were missing a couple guys, you know, they have a, a good defensive back who on that Trayvon Grimes throw or um, catch for a touchdown, one of the good defensive backs was covering him. The, the probably the second best defensive back on the team, but behind the count was covering him. So it's just one of those things where you need to be able to still have those expectations, but also you got to understand this wasn't a perfect game, even by the offense. I mean, 155 yards in the second half, and that might not seem like too little because it would average out to around 300 yards total in the game, but the Gators have been putting up around 500 or so yards every single game. This isn't something that they should expect or they should strive for. You know, they had two field goals, they had a punt or two punts, turnover on downs. 
and then you don't really count the the kneel down at the end. But it, it, it needs to be a time where Florida can put together a complete game, kind of like they almost did against Missouri, especially if they're going to be, you know, rising up in the, in the rankings right now. They're ranked fifth in the coaches poll. They're ranked um, sixth in the AP poll. Obviously, those aren't the polls that really matter, but those are pretty much the barometer for the poll that really matters, which I think Zach said it's going to be coming out in a few weeks, maybe a couple weeks. So right now they're they're atop the SEC East. That's it's something to be excited about. But when you start looking ahead, you have to consider, all right, how are they going to beat Bama, which is going to be the team, uh, obviously, unless something crazy happens that they would play in the SEC championship game. We will be getting our first batch of the college football playoff polls on November 24th. Uh, it'll be the first of several batches of them that will be coming out. As long as Florida keeps this up, winning, beating ranked teams, especially as they come along, uh, they, I would expect that they will be in the top five, probably four, as long as they make it to the SEC championship game. Just given, I mean, even if Ohio State Maybe not, but even if Ohio State's unbeaten at that point, like you're looking at what a nine and one SEC team and Ohio State's through however many games by that point. It's just I think by that point you're looking at two teams that are in the top four for the college football playoff when you get to that inevitable uh, SEC championship. So long as Florida can win out and control their own destiny, but first, in order to do that, they're going to have to beat their opponent this week, and that is Arkansas. And that is the return of Felipe Franks to the Swamp. People are already mad at me for saying that this could be a matchup between him and the secondary uh, for Florida as their safeties were not that great against Georgia. Imagine if a quarterback could actually connect on deep passes. Felipe Franks yeah, who- can do that. <laughs> we know that. We've seen that here before, and we saw it last night against Tennessee. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about that when we come back from this quick break. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low calorie, low sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to buildbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at buildbar.com. All right, Demetrius, we're going to do a lot more previewing this week. Obviously, we're not as caught up on Arkansas yet, but this is the start of us getting ready for OVO's return to the swamp. Felipe Franks will be coming back. Obviously, if you haven't heard of him before, he is the guy that Kyle Trask replaced last year when he suffered a dislocated ankle. Trask came in. He's now a Heisman contender, so Florida does not miss Franks that much. However, he was a guy that a lot of fans did root for, and he did start to put things together with Mullen before his unfortunate injury. So I'm excited to see him come in and play here under the lights, especially with an Arkansas team that has way overperformed this year. Absolutely. You're going to have... Now, a lot of people, or maybe it's only a couple people in my mentions that got mad about me saying that, you know, this game is a trap game. It's a game, whatever you want to call it. I don't care if there's like some sort of archaic definition of trap game. The point of saying that is to say this is a game where everybody's expecting them to win. I believe that I saw the line 
was it 15 and a half points? I believe that I've was seen, I've seen anywhere from 16 and a half to 18. Maybe it was 18. Okay. So Edgar actually posted this, you know, they're minus 18 right now. So 18 point favorite for the, for the Gators. Now, if that's not a game where people have such high expectations, they absolutely believe that Florida's going to win. If that's not a trap game or whatever you want to call it, then I don't know what it is because this team, this Arkansas team can come in and do stuff. It's not as if they're just a terrible team. And I understand that all of their points against Tennessee, who has had a terrible season thus far um, to their standards and to maybe everybody else's standards, at least from what I saw during the recruiting stuff this summer, um, they scored 24 points and all of them came in the third quarter. But what you saw from Felipe Franks in that game, the the deep ball, like you said, Zach, was just incredible. And and we've all seen that to the the deep ball to um Tyree Cleveland. I, I heave to Cleve. He heave to Cleve. I think that that's what they coined it. I heard that in the press box today when we were talking about Felipe Franks. Um, it it's it just it's it's crazy to think, you know, if I would say if Felipe Franks was playing quarterback for Georgia. I don't know who would have won that game. And now I'm not going to say that for sure Georgia would have won, but it 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 goes it just goes to show that that deep ball connection is very important especially when the Gators haven't been covering it as well as they probably would hope. I we'll will, see what happens. I will say it. I think Georgia wins that game with Felipe at quarterback okay. considering how he's played this year okay. with the, with Sam Pittman as his coach. <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, he he's Completing 67.2% of his passes. He's up for comeback touchdowns. player of the year already, I think, by uh, Mayo Clinic. Yeah. He's yeah, only thrown three interceptions. It, he, he's playing good football. He's a guy that, you know, Florida struggles with this type of quarterback. He's mobile, and he's got a big mm-hmm. arm. We saw it with Matt Corral. We've seen it in the past with other quarterbacks. If you can get out and make throws on the run, and you can make big throws, you can scramble, you can get some yards on your own, like, Todd Grantham doesn't have an answer for that usually. And now, granted, it's Felipe. They should have answers for this guy. I mean, anything from beyond how he's developed uh, under Sam Pittman and the offensive staff at Arkansas. But at the same time, being around him for two years, you should have you should have a couple of a uh, couple of good things on him that you know will work. Yeah, and it's not as if Felipe Franks has suddenly changed who he is as a quarterback. If you watch the Arkansas games, or at least the highlights, you'll see, I mean, he pretty much is the same guy. He's maybe making a little bit smarter decisions. They're making the offense a little bit easier for him than they had uh, with uh, Dan Mullen and then obviously before Dan Mullen. But at the same time, somebody told me today, because we were talking about this game, we were talking about how, you know, obviously Arkansas is going to be tough opponent and they were like don't say that you know obviously the this was a florida fan he wanted them to to win and they he doesn't want me to jinx them or anything like that i'm just saying you know you got felipe franks coming in and, and he said you know dan mullen knows how to stop felipe franks he he's taught him for a couple of years and now that that might be true maybe dan mullen has a secret formula he knows every he knows how felipe franks takes he knows what gets him uncomfortable and that is an advantage i'm not going to discount that that is an advantage that the Gators will have this Saturday under the lights, but it's still going to come down to the players on the field. Can they execute when it's needed? And it's going to come down to the safeties. It's going to come down to guys like Sean Davis, Donovan Steiner, Rashad Torrance. If he's playing, it's going to come down to a lot of these guys who need to play sound fundamental football and make sure that the deep, the deep ball doesn't get past them. 
Felipe Franks can burn you, and they're just going to have to continue to play that defense in terms of how far back they are, how close. They're just going to have to play fundamentally sound. It's just going to have to be a game where they they don't cheat. They don't get antsy. They don't get, you know, nervous about what's going to go down in the middle of the field. So they cheat up. It's going to be an interesting contest. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, I am too. And it's it's going to be here. It's going to be in Gainesville under the lights. I'm not sure really what other under the lights games we'll have, but I'll tell you, this is certainly a fitting one. So I'm certain uh, I'm excited that I'm going to be there. Uh, I can't wait to cover it. And I can't wait to continue previewing it this week. If you want to hear the rest of those previews, go ahead and make sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Gators podcast. Just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to Lockdown Gators. Subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Zach underscore Goodall. Find Demetrius at Demetrius82. And in order to never miss an episode, make sure to follow at Locked on Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.